This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Today, the need for funding for public health in Washington. If we weren't aware of how much we need fully funded public health programs before the pandemic, we very much are now. We speak with Executive Director of the Washington State Public Health Association, Jeff Ketchell, about how Washington can make vital improvements in public health, starting with the push in the legislature to establish permanent funding. That is next. everybody. So we are talking about public health today. And in many significant ways, public health programs were designed to help prepare for and mitigate a lot of what we are experiencing right now with the pandemic. And a number of experts in the field feel that the state should have and could have done much better. My guest, Jeff Ketchell, is the executive director of the Washington State Public Health Association. And he joins us to talk about how the state can make vital improvements in public health, starting with the push in the legislature to establish permanent funding. Jeff Ketchell, hello. Welcome. How are you, man? Thank you. It's just an absolute delight to be here today. And I'm so excited to talk about public health. I am too. And, you know, I think maybe the place to start is because people may not know the parameters of public health. So maybe just as a, as a primer, um, can you talk about what falls under the purview of public health? Sure. So, I mean, public health is involved in anything that causes illness, injury, or premature death in their community, whether it's a resident or a visitor. So that's a pretty broad responsibility. But uh, what's what's most important, what's is, is what we call foundational public health services. Those are the services that are unique to governmental public health and should be provided to everyone. These are things like communicable disease investigation and response, uh, things like uh, you know the work of environmental health, uh, you know safe food, safe water, uh, solid waste being being uh, handled appropriately. Uh, these are things like uh, uh, assessment and epidemiology, uh, making sure that uh, we know what the health of the community is and we're able to respond quickly because we, we have our fingers on, the, on, the, on that pulse. Uh, also, infrastructure things like communication and, and IT and databases and things like that. Now, now, those are sort of the important things. Some of the other things that public health agencies do are things like healthy communities, you know, prevent chronic diseases, healthy eating, active living, tobacco, opioids, things, things like that, maternal child health, nurse family partners partnerships, help uh, at-risk moms uh, start out on the best foot forward, um, you know, assure health services, make sure their community has enough health care available, things like that. But it's, it's, I could go on and on and spend a day talking about everything public health does, but I'll just, I'll stop right there. Well, so seen through that lens, well, two observations. One is uh, public health does a hell of a lot, and people may not really be aware of that. But the other thing is you talk about a lot of things that are directly related to the pandemic. And so in your assessment, I'll just ask you, what are some of the ways you feel that the state came up short uh, in the response to the pandemic on, a, on the public health front? Sure. So, I mean, the, the public health system in Washington has been undergoing two decades of uh, funding cuts. Uh, with the occasional spike in resources because there's a crisis like 9-11, opioids, measles, et cetera. And so, uh, we, and then of course the Great Recession took a, took a toll on the public health system as well. And so here you had these public health agencies that were really skeletons of their former self, uh, trying to patchwork day-to-day, trying to, to handle things like uh, you know, measles or sexually transmitted infections or the obesity epidemic or opioids, um, or youth vaping, things, things like that. And, and suddenly they're, they're hit with this global pandemic. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, they did not have the enough epidemiologists, enough disease investigators, enough uh, field workers 
to to really handle this. Nor a lot of public health agencies have the IT infrastructure needed to uh, uh, input data, track data, report on the data, um, and so it, it was it, no fault of the public health system, but. Uh, over two decades of, of underfunding really resulted in where we were. Now, uh, we're very blessed here in Washington that we have a lot of schools of public health and uh, money came roaring in from the federal government. And so they're able to do a lot of quick hiring and uh, training to get people on board. Uh, but again, uh, what public health really needs is, is sustainable funding so they're ready for the next crisis. Well, it seems like people are waking up to that right now. Um, I'll just ask you, do you agree with that assessment that because of everything that we've been through and now that we're sort of seeing the role of public health um, and the need for it, do you feel like the, the public has woken up to the importance of the work that public health does here in the state? Absolutely. I'd say the public has never been more aware of who their public health agency is and what they do and the authorities that they have. And uh, uh, you think of uh, the public's, the, the three-legged stool of public safety in each community, fire, police, and public health. Of course, public health doesn't drive uh, cool red trucks or have fancy uniforms. And so most people before the pandemic didn't know what we did unless you needed that birth certificate or septic system repair. <clears throat> but now pu public people are very aware of what public health is. and. Uh, saying, you know, this this is an important role in our community. Uh, I want our communities to be safe and healthy. I, I now realize that uh, you know, this, this is a system that's been underfunded for a long time, and uh, this is this is a value of mine. So uh, I, we're seeing a lot of, uh, of, of support. We're also seeing things on the other side, too, where, where people didn't realize the authority the, pu the public health system has. And, you know, that might make them feel uncomfortable that uh, somebody like a health officer has the authority to uh, require masks or not allow business to open or, um, or things like that. So uh, there's definitely, with awareness comes uh, opinions on both sides. We've seen a lot of that, <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Um, you know, on the positive side of things, um, and just because we've talked about the fact that you really want to see uh, permanent stable funding for this, and we'll talk about some of the ways that we can get there. Um, the House and Senate just released their proposed operating budgets for the next two years. I wonder if you can just tick off very briefly what is in each of those for public health right now as it stands. Sure. So um, the, the Senate and House budgets uh, are somewhat different when it comes to funding foundational public health services. So the, the Senate proposed budget appropriates $150 million for the upcoming biennium uh, for, the, for, for public health, $50 million the first year, $100 million the second year. And what's really important is it's ongoing because they also uh, allocate $300 million in the subsequent biennium 150 million a year for continued uh, foundational public health services. And that is huge, and that is exactly what we've been act asking for. Uh, the House budget is is different in that it provides 100, 100 million in the upcoming biennium, but it appears to be one-time money and not ongoing. And so um, what we've been um, fighting for uh, for a number of years now is enough money uh, and predictable money and preferably a dedicated funding source. Now, both of these proposals uh, are, are being funded out of the general fund. And so when you're funded out of the general fund, you're, sort, you're really at the uh, whim of uh, that legislature that year. Uh, but if you have a dedicated funding source, uh, then uh, th you know, things may be a little bit more uh, untouchable. 
So for, for example, uh, the pub public health system receives zero dollars from the tobacco tax in Washington. Um, you know, and so, you know, if we did, that could have been a great you know, funding source, for example, back in the day. But uh, that money is, is allocated in different ways. And most of it goes to the general fund. Yeah. Well, I mean, so one of the bills and there are three bills that I would like to talk about that could establish funding for uh, for public health. And these are bills that I think we really want to bring attention uh, to for our listeners uh, to you know potentially get behind. One of them, speaking of, of smoking, uh, is a vaping tax. Uh, can you tell us about that bill? It's 50, House Bill 1550. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So there already is an exa- existing vaping tax. This would Fix it. There are some there are some flaws in the existing vaping tax. It would also increase it, um, and the existing vaping tax uh, is split between Foundational Public Health Services and funding the Andy Hill uh, Cancer Research Fund. Um, and so, uh, this new proposal would create a third bucket in funding tobacco and vaping prevention, and uh, something that Washington State uh, actually has a very poor grade in, in funding. And so. Um, so this would raise the tax and then uh, add a third bucket for uh, tobacco prevention. All right. Yeah. So that's uh, that's House Bill 1550. So that's one to keep an eye on. And then uh, there are a couple of Senate bills. Uh, the first I want to discuss is Senator June Robinson's SB 5149. Tell us what that would do. Sure. Uh, 5149 would put a tax on uh, uh, insurance policies. There are 5.4 million residents here in Washington that have health insurance policies, so about 70% of the population. And what this bill would do would would put a dollar, at beginning, put a dollar 54 cents per month per policy tax on it. And then over a number of years, go up to $3.07. Um, and this would provide initially $100 million a year for public health and then go up to $200 million a year. Um, and so this would be a substantial adequate, dedicated funding source, definitely responsive to population growth um, and, and inflation and things like that. Uh, this is an ideal source. And you think about the intersections between uh, public health and health insurance. So the vehicle excise tax that uh, used to fund public health 20 years ago, we can definitely argue that's not an appropriate way to fund public health, but you can see a lot of the overlaps between health insurance and public health. We both uh, we both want to see healthy communities. Um, if, if 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 communities are healthy, we're doing our job, and the health insurance industry uh, probably pays fewer claims. So I we think there's a lot of nice uh, um, overlap there, and um, we we really like that one a lot. It is not in either the House or the Senate budget at this time, but it's something we definitely strongly support and would like to see enacted. And just to be clear, it would tax providers, not policyholders, right? Right. This would come directly from the providers. So for every right. policy that they issued, then then there would be a tax on, on each of those policies. Okay, understood. And then another uh, also comes from Senator Robinson. This is uh, 5371. This is the sweetened beverage tax. This is considered kind of regressive. So how is the revenue allotted and how is it balanced? Sure. So this would reflect the, the tax that was passed in Seattle. So it would be at the same levels. And then the tax will be split up between uh, equity initiatives and, and projects and foundational public health. So uh, equity would receive 60% of it, and then foundational public health services would receive 40% of it. 
Well, so just to review then for listeners, so that is SB 5149, and that would be a, a tax on providers for health insurance plans. SB 5371 is the sweet and beverage tax, and then HB 1550 is the vaping tax. Um, can you tell us just how you see the chances of each of these bills making it into the budget? Well, uh, I, you know, nothing, when it comes to taxes and revenue and budgets, uh, nothing's out until the last hour of the last day. Um, in you know, all these bills are what we call NTIB or necessary to implement the budget. And so they're never dead. They're always alive. And uh, but with the uh, positive revenue forecasts and the influx of funding from the federal government, uh, I would say the appetite for uh, new revenue sources has diminished in the legislature. And so uh, but we are going to continue to voice that uh, having a dedicated a funding source for public health uh, would result in, you know, a better protection and more predictability for those funds down the road when we're not in a pandemic state and public health isn't at the forefront of everybody's minds and we're back to that invisible role that they're used to us having. Well, so with that in mind, we will ask listeners to support each of those bills by calling their representative or senator, and I'll have that information in the show notes. Uh, I'll just one last thing. Uh, I'll ask you, how can people help out with your organization? Sure. So uh, the Washington State Public Health Association is the affiliate of the American Public Health Association. And uh, uh, we're funded by our memberships in an annual conference. But uh, if you're really passionate about public health, I encourage you to become a member and uh, help help join the fight for good public health in Washington State. Uh, if membership's not for you, we are a 501c6. Uh, we, we accept donations, but they are not tax deductible. But uh, you can go to wspha.org and there's a way to donate there. And we greatly appreciate that uh, because these advocacy and education efforts, uh, of course, take money. And so, uh, uh, our, our organization is myself, and I have a, a part-time uh, uh, administrative coordinator and, uh, and then a, the most wonderful board uh, a person could work for and wonderfully supportive and uh, very active in supporting public health throughout Washington State. Well, you do great work, Jeff, and we're very appreciative of it. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. Uh, my pleasure. Happy to be back anytime. And that is it for this week's show. Thank you again to Jeff Ketchell. The website for the show is indivisiblepodcast.org and the email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.